wrestling obviously there are lots of other podcasts about comics but not about wrestling at the same time too we're actually gonna get kind of get jump in a little bit here for wrestling right away because there's a lot of fun things that happen but uh, actually colin went to a really cool film festival and, and wants to just fill you in a little bit about it oh yeah totally i went to the uh, red dirt film festival here in stillwater oklahoma off and on this weekend it's actually happening today additionally uh this is sunday but um, I went to the kickoff party on Friday and met some nice folks from in from out of town. They had people who came in from London. They had people in from Brooklyn, New York, uh, people in from L.A., uh, everybody with their different types of narratives, short movies, narrative feature-length movies. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a film festival, but uh, there's a lot of good reasons to go. I don't usually go because I'm working over most of the ones that happen where I am, and I'm really not going to make a big effort to go to uh, Sundance or something like that. It's just that's it costs a lot. I, I don't need to show off a parka. Uh, it's just not one of those things I, I get into. But, um, yeah, I was really particularly proud with a uh, local filmmaker that I've worked with uh, over the years. His name is Laron Chapman. He did a movie called uh, You People. It's a little long. It's got some uh, formula issues, and I think it would be an awesome 13-episode TV series. But I'm really proud of him because I know he put, he put in a lot of work and effort, and he got a lot, of, a lot of local folks that I work with involved with the project. He financed it through Indiegogo, and it is a story about race, and uh, he made a totally approachable um, dramatic comedy that you can take seriously, you can find it funny, and uh, I'm just telling you all, you all, if you can find it to watch, it's totally worth watching. It's called You People by Laron Chapman. And uh, then I also got to watch a documentary about a man and his family who I can't find on Wikipedia, but you can find them. It's Rudy Love and the Love Family out of Wichita, Kansas. This man... And his family have been making soul music for decades. And they got screwed over by the industry. But their just amazing attitude towards the music business and that they wanted to make more music than they wanted to make business has made them pretty happy people for decades. And uh, even if you're not into soul music, when you see this documentary, it's called This Is Love. Um I tell you what, it is. It will make you want to race out and buy those albums, or at the very least, I bet it's on YouTube. I haven't checked yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I uh, fell in love with it. 
It's such a great documentary. It's edited so well. It's got uh, interviews with Sinbad. It's got interviews with Mick Fleetwood, who was an executive producer of Fleetwood Mac. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you're gonna you're just gonna be blown away by how much stuff in your life you've heard that can be directly attributed back to Rudy Love and uh, the reasons why you've heard it and you've never heard of him. Uh, basically, he got really screwed early on, and uh, ultimately, I think the comeuppance has come to come due in probably the only good way that it could. And uh, I'm just going to say, if you can see the documentary, This Is Love, which consequently is uh, by the Love Story LLC, <laughs> it's totally That's awesome. It. I got to see them perform live last night at Eskimo Joe's in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and uh, it was transformative. So check that out if you can find it. Anyway. Yeah, let's let's talk some wrestling. Um, real. A lot of, a lot of, like, one thing I really have enjoyed the fact that We've had two solid weeks of really kick-ass Raws and SmackDowns, which mm-hmm. really surprises me. That's four entire episodes, all really good, all with evil Vinnie Mac. My boy Kevin Owens came back. I yes. popped so hard for that. Um, <laughs> it's funny because when because uh, old Vinnie Mac, the old man, is coming in and ruining these matches and suspending Becky and then putting uh, putting uh, Charlotte in for, uh, for Becky for the uh, WrestleMania match with Ronda. And then, oh, of yeah. course, he... Yep. Of course, he goes and does that for Kofi and for uh, for uh, for Kofi and Daniel Bryan. But I just mm-hmm. it's 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 one of those things where if you think about it, it writes itself. And I'm glad they're doing it and doing their best to satiate us because obviously they're not going to put KO as the champion. And if they're not going to put KO as a champion, don't have that match happen at WrestleMania. Have that happen at Fastlane when you know nothing's really going to happen, and then save <laughs> like the the heart and soul. Uh, for WrestleMania, I would love for Kofi to have his mania moment, not just because I think he deserves it, but second off, it's because I think that if the New Day got the tag team belts and the the, the heavyweight championship, mm-hmm. like yep. the, the actual champion, uh, that would – oh, they, everything they did would be money. It would completely reinvent them. Uh, from what I understand, they're like selling out back stuff. Uh, backlog catalog of New Day stuff like hotcakes for, awesome. for, for like dirt sheep. Uh, because Kofi bro- uh, breathed that extra life into them, you know, completely accidentally because Mustafa Ali got hurt. And that sucks for him, but I'm glad that Kofi stepped in and, you know, we're getting good product. Also, um, you know, Kevin Owens, it, I'm not sure if they're going to have him do it all the time, but he finished the match against Daniel Bryan and um, the, the the tag team match he had at the very end of SmackDown because it was Kevin Owens, uh-huh. Kofi, and Daniel Bryan and um, – I keep wanting to say Luke Harper. Um, God, uh, they, they, they shortened his name again. Um, what is his name, dude? You're killing me. Wait, is it the guy from... Uh, Eric, Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan. Rowan, Eric Rowan, Rowan yeah. And, is he the guy from the and, White family? Yeah, and the uh-huh. Bludgeon Brothers. And it was a great tag team match. It wasn't sure was the cool. best, but it was, it was great to see Kevin Owens back. Him actually fully energized, not hurting. And then he didn't do a pop-up powerbomb at the end. He did a stone-cold stunner. He even put the stank on it. I heard that Sami Zayn is back. No, Sami Zayn is not back. I'm not so sure. I'm going to double-check it, but if he's not back, he wants to be back. And I think if that's the case, they're going to pair them up again. I hope so. I mean, they're they're best friends in the first place, but from what I understand, Sami's surgery, I think he had, like, dual rotator cuffs hurt. And... KO had 
double knee surgery, but not like where they had to replace the whole everything the way the arduous comeback is not as bad as dual rotator cuff. I mean, that's, oh that's God. terrible. I'm lucky enough yeah. never to have to, uh, the, the closest I ever got to that was getting headbutted in the face and having two weeks worth of recovery after a facial reconstruction surgery. And then I had, I yeah. had a broken coccyx <laughs> oh, man. from Taekwondo. I got kicked in the tailbone by a guy one time and then, uh, <laughs> that took forever to heal up. And then I rebroke it sitting down improperly and that took forever to heal up. It was honestly a quiet, silent embarrassment that went on for probably six months. That's the first time I realized I was getting old. I'm 36 now. When I was like 33, my, my socks just slipped out from under me coming down the stairs and I fell right on my ass. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's a broken coccyx. And then it took months. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, I didn't even bother going to the doctor because I've heard of friends happening like, yeah, I don't go to the doctor because there's literally nothing they can do for you. <laughs> there's an episode. That's right. There's an episode of Next Generation. You're watching Next Generation now. Any of our subscribers are probably aware of our subscriber content. Um, and uh, Joshua is watching Next Generation, so we'll do commentary that we can sync up with uh, Netflix. So you can listen to us while you're watching the episode. Consequently, you're probably not watching the episode in that instance uh, in an attempt to hear what's going on. So it's something you're probably familiar with. There's an episode coming up, not in the season you're in, where uh, Marina Sirtis, Counselor Troy, does a stunt, and she flop, flops back, and she lands on her tailbone and breaks it. And they kept oh. that they kept that take in there mm. because the reactions were so good. And so she did the rest of the episode with a broken tailbone, and probably for another couple of weeks. Worth noting. I'll let you know when you get to that one. Okay. Uh, also, I, I haven't caught up on Impact or Ring of Honor, um, the actual TV episodes from like mm-hmm. the, this last week, because I was actually watching all of the Honor Rising from New Japan, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which was really exhausting. Like, I, I'm really sad to report that I feel like the elite leaving took the guts out of them, and they don't know what the heck oh. to do. Now, yeah. in the past... They have had the guts taken out of them. In one fell swoop, AJ, Gals and Anderson, gone. Leader, he was AJ, leader of Bullet Club. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura left. The, the IC Championship in New Japan is basically his belt. If you if you guys want to see one of the best matches ever and you think that the uh, match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania last year was awesome, mm-hmm. uh, incorrect. Uh, if you had actually seen the IC Championship match that they had done like four years ago in New Japan Pro, uh, you you would have been extremely disappointed. I was bitching about it the entire time we were sitting there, remember? And, yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. and they've always rebuilt. I'm not saying I don't have faith they're going to rebuild. They will rebuild. Gato has all the tools in the world. He's got an amazing system to actually make people love the product within the company, not just for people that are like, you know, smart marks like us. But also, they'll figure it out. I mean, it's not happening right away because when when AJ left, actually the, the actual timeline when when Finn Balor left, they you know they started this awesome precedent where if you're going to leave Bullet Club, you're going to get beat out of the club like an epic ass whooping. It's a gang. Uh, yeah, it's a gang. Finn got um, well, uh, Prince Devitt got an yep. epic ass whooping out of the club and immediately replaced by newcomer AJ Styles, who just came over from Ring of Honor and Impact. Um, or TNA, actually, from what it was called at the time. 
And then when AJ left, uh, this new guy who just joined the club called Kenny Omega, which a lot of people didn't know what to think of because he was doing these kind of ha-ha things where he was like wrestling blow-up dolls and nine-year-old girls, but he was still really good. And they came in and brought him in, toughened him up as the cleaner, and then AJ decided to leave. New leader comes out just like last time. They beat him in the dirt for 20 minutes. AJ does the awesome thing about honor like new japan does he bows mm-hmm. to each side of the they're at corgan hall my favorite my favorite venue and you know they, they take off but when the elite left there was no one to fill that void the way kenny was automatically there ready to take over there's they've they've got they've got switchblade jay white right now who's the actual japan like he's actually the iwgp champion right now which yeah they put on him way too early man like okay i'm surprised they actually gave him the usa belt but he actually deserved it because he, he went through the Young Lion program. Uh, they dropped it to another Young Lion that was with him during the program, which was Juice Robinson. I love that. Juice. And, yeah, I love that Juice. Remember we met him on the streets yeah, of New Orleans? Yeah, absolutely. I was and, watching a video that incorporated him the other day when he was a part of a team. Well, uh, they made Switchblade, who's now I, – I, they haven't really said he's the leader of Bullet Club – but they're trying to push it as him to be the leader of Bullet Club without indirectly saying it. The Bullet Club OG, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Grills Destiny, uh, Bad Luck Fale, these guys couldn't carry the brand. And when the Elite left, they basically took the brand with them and then called it the Elite. And then now there's Bullet Club that's still kind of just there. And I don't know, it reminds me of like when everyone back in the day was part of the NWA uh, in WCW and all of a sudden like three quarters and like, who's really the boss. And oh, they, yeah. they, they gave switchblade the, the belt way too early. And I think they panicked and gave it to him because they needed that, that Gaijin, the Gaijin uh, being the champion right now. And to hopefully save what's left of bullet club. That's what I'm feeling. I feel like they're trying to save brand there and well, hopefully build, build it up. Do you, do you, you're talking about Gaijin. I mean, uh, for our comics people, a gaijin is like a non-Japanese person, right? Um, right. So it's New Japan. They have Americans. They have non. They have Canadians. They have people from the West. So, do you think that New Japan can function in America with Japanese belt holders as Japanese like flagship guys? Is there any reason why it couldn't? Why don't what, do you think we wouldn't like that to see like well, Ibushi? As, I, I can or something I can see like why that? you're thinking that. I can see why you're thinking that, and I I, I feel like I made a uh, what, what my comments were leading you or our listeners to believe. That I don't think that New Japan can flourish without the elite. No, that's that's incorrect. I'm just saying I think they got caught with their pants down. Uh-huh. Uh, abs- uh, I don't I don't like New Japan because of Bullet Club. It was a great reason why. But New Japan is its own entity, and they will they will prosper. That's what they do. That's what good wrestling companies do. And I have absolute faith. Yeah, everyone in America won't care if it's a, a Japanese guy or a gaijin or or like right now some guy from New Zealand. They don't care. We just want to see good wrestling. That's okay, all we good. really care about. Well, and I'm I just hope that they they get their steam going up. Right now they they've they've got some stuff up their sleeve because right now they've got that big show in Madison Square Garden uh, coming up. Also, you know, it's WrestleMania weekend. That's when everyone starts pulling out their big guns. But one of the reasons I brought it up was because the Honor Rising, when um, Ring of Honor does that collaboration with them over at Corgan Hall for two nights in a row, it got really convoluted and it was kind of – it wasn't hard to watch. It was just it, – it, one of the things like when I don't like about WWE, like every every big big match all of a sudden becomes a triple threat 
And then oh, yeah. it just they just keep adding all these guys. I mean, they they did their best to show everyone off, which was one thing I do like about it was they made sure all the Ring of Honor guys that showed up really shine. And then the Briscoes really, really got over. Like I actually uh, I was watching it with my buddy Cody, who wanted me to show him what New Japan was good, and we were watching this together. And when the when the Briscoes were taking chops, he's like, "Wait a minute, the the these guys are like homeless type dudes." I'm like, "Well, kinda." <laughs> and he's like, "And and." One of the Briscoe dudes gets uh, gets chopped, and he's like, "Is that dust coming off of him?" And I'm like, "That is absolutely <laughs> dust coming off of him." Like, like that is like it was a great. He's like, "I like these guys based on that." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's a um, good gag." It, it was a good, great gimmick. Uh, the matches were solid. There's nothing I can complain about it. But at the same time, I feel like the guts got taken out. There's like a little bit of excitement, a little bit of pep that is missing, and they can't figure out what it is. They will. They will figure out what it is. Uh, uh, they show juice off, which they had to. Uh, David Finlay was awesome. He's losing some weight, uh, which he needs to. Did also, Flip go? is Flip gone? Flip Gordon? Uh, Flip was. I don't remember seeing Flip there at all. Yeah. Um, Flip is. But the, sorry, I don't mean to interject. I just suddenly. Oh no! Oh, oh no! No, you're fine. Uh, Flip is basically waiting for his Ring of Honor contract to be over so he can go to All Elite. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't. When they do the Being the Elite show on YouTube, uh, they always had him and Flip pointing at himself. They show it for just a second, but not like the like the, the, yeah, the right. featuring. They, they show it for just a second. Like, oops, editing mistake. Like he's uh, We'll fix that later in post because he's definitely not going to be in AEW. Uh, the, one, the one thing I did have a problem with was, was the Will Ospreay and Dalton Castle match. Uh, both huh. ama- amazing wrestlers. Uh, wrestlers. Dalton was Ring of Honor champion for quite a long time last yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, Osprey basically couldn't wrestle the way he usually does because Dalton isn't a high flyer. I mean, they did some great mm-hmm. moves. The the psychology in in the ring was amazing. They definitely had that frustration. They definitely wanted to make sure they both looked like badasses in their own right. But you knew that there were certain things that Osprey couldn't do because. Dalton just wouldn't be able to pull it off. But other than that, it was great. Jeff Cobb shined against Hiroki Goto. Um, I think people are still getting used to Cheeseburger. But <laughs> I, I, you know, the, that that craziness back at Supercard last year, right before WrestleMania, was getting him in the ring. And what was it, Bully Bully Hayes? Was that it? Bully Ray. Bully Ray. Uh, jeez. I mean, you get him out there, and he's. Just hyping everyone up. Yeah, man. trying to be hyped, and then you know, oh, they all go okay. in and I'll fight with Cheeseburger. And uh, but it was a, it was totally a it was it was a big fake. It was awesome. I don't know. Let us know if you guys went to Supercard or if you watched it. It was a, it was it was crazy. There was a lot of good stuff happened there. I'm what, what, excited. What? I'm excited. I, I, sorry, man. What? No, go ahead. You're I'm just excited. To, I'm excited to see what what New Japan has in store. I mean, yeah. obviously they're waiting for. For a bigger show, for you know, show something off. Hopefully, they got some new talent coming in. I, I don't think that they're shaking in their boots the way everyone wants them to be shaking in the boots because AEW is about to happen. You can't be scared of something that doesn't really exist yet. Besides, oh, for real. They, they, not, they, I don't think. I think you think Vince isn't shaking in his boots over there about it. Oh, he's he's dealt with people like this his whole life, man. Okay. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's got a, a couple things like that he's concerned about. The more I think about it. I think he's building up brand. I mean, they fired uh, Arn Anderson and they brought in Bruce Pritchard. And since Bruce Pritchard came in, uh, coincidentally, two weeks ago, Raw and SmackDown have been badass. And 
So we don't know if that was a good move so far. You know, it's too early to tell. Um, what was guess, your favorite part of it? What was the most badass element of it? Of Raw and SmackDown? Yeah. I mean, I is, felt it, like, is it the circumstances felt, of what we're doing with Ronda and Becky or Ronda and Charlotte, depending, the whole business of, of bringing uh, Stephanie out on in the ring? And I'm, I, guess the, I guess the best way I could describe it is so many awesome things have happened that made me happy hmm. that have been really culminating to me being more and more excited about WrestleMania. Okay, I dig that. It, so last thing- year, I... There was nothing really I really cared that much about. There's like five things already I care about for WrestleMania already. Ah, right on. I mean, I, th- I I look at what they're doing with Ricochet and um, oh, these other guys that just came out in NXT. Aleister Black, Tommaso Ciampa. Totally. Johnny Gargano. Those guys are coming out and they're doing stuff that we see done in Ring of Honor and at New Japan. Amazing uh, yeah. aerial work, flips, crazy signature moves. That we we've been looking at uh, the you know WWE and its brands and going you're not going to see that there you barely see suicide dives you don't get to see the kind of stuff that you know Finn Balor can do because yeah. of when he was Prince Devitt when he's in another company and now these guys are coming out and we're we've been talking about it like the company is scared they need something new to jazz things up that's something I see that makes me excited for the future. The opportunity to see more daring stuff done by guys that can actually perform those moves or haven't been told for a few years, don't do that stuff. We know you can do that stuff, but we don't want you getting hurt now so that you can't perform because you're such a thing. You're such a, a fixture that we need to hold on to, and you got to work every week. It's interesting you bring that up because when I, when I first got re back into wrestling, um, you know, there's a lot of people I didn't know, but then like, a couple of years later – here comes this guy named Kevin Owens. Like the, yeah. I took one look at him. I'm like, that. that's my pony. Like, I wish I could say I was into him back in Ring of Honor and that sort of stuff, but I wasn't. Um, but the second I saw him appear, they let him off his leash. The, I, I can almost guarantee you there's very little things that they directed him in what to say and what to do because they trusted him because his, his sheer in-ring talent and his talent on the mic was that good. And right away, he exploded. But that was just one Kevin Owens. Now we've got four guys that have limitless, limitless potential, especially Aleister Black. A lot of people don't know this, but that guy's been at a lot of different things. And especially, he was from, he's from WXW. You remember uh, Sven from WrestleMania? Oh, like, yeah. Uh-huh. He, yeah, the, they're one of the, he, he trains in one of their training camps. And those WXW shows are amazing, man. If you can find them, I mean, they're hard to find. you got to go to Vimo, I think, and then they've got a weird subscription on that. And then you can see their... Um, uh, their shows, it, it's it's a little it's a little arduous to find it, but it's way worth it if you can find some old school WXW stuff or current WXW yep. stuff or current progress stuff in the Tell UK. Tell me who Sven is. Oh, Sven, Sven, we met him at WrestleMania um, in the hostel we were staying at. Him and his girlfriend, and we all just hit it off, and we drank for like what four days straight. <laughs> and, <laughs> there was some drinking. Yeah, and him and I. You know, he. I wanted to learn how to take a bump, and he showed me how to take a bump on the concrete. You know, granted, I was drunker in hell, but I still took a bump <laughs> on the concrete. And uh, we we still keep up with him. He's a great guy. I, I really like him. He's always messaging me on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I really want to get him on the podcast as our German expert for German and Euro wrestling. And 
He's just he's he's a great guy, but he's worried that he doesn't have enough to say. But I, I, I'm, oh, I'll, I'll, come on. all we gotta all we gotta do is just is this is how we push it, dude. It no, no, we, we, it, it doesn't matter what you have to say. You're telling us about an entire branch of worldwide wrestling that, that he knows all we're about. We're not yeah. keeping up with. How can you not have something to say about that? And you, you, you know, let me talk to him. I'll get him on the show. <laughs> oh, we can we can we can do the old high school trick. We can do, like remember the old high school trick. I remember several. Uh, Which the, one are you the, talking the, about? The just the tip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but that's all I got for wrestling. Wrestling for uh, for this week. Um, just uh, pull up everything from New Japan. Uh, yeah. Ring of Honor. The, the 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 shows are free on the app. Uh, there's a lot more content if you subscribe. Same thing with a new Japan. Well, a new Japan, you got to subscribe to that one. Like you're yeah. not finding those ones for free. I mean, you might find the Okada and Omega trilogy cut down on YouTube, but if you want, it's it's the, my favorite ten dollars a month I spend. <laughs> I just gotta say, I'm super happy to see Roman Reigns being healthy. Uh, you know that that cancer, the uh, anti-cancer shirt he had on. I know you commented specifically on wanting to get one of those. Um, I think it's a huge bump. I don't think it'll be long before he's being booed again <laughs> the same way he was getting booed because they're just going to keep pushing him as the face of the company. I don't blame him. I mean, I think he probably smells swampy after a match, but he's a beautiful person. He's a beautiful specimen of a human being. He looks good. And uh, he's got – you think about what Vince is probably trying to do. I mean, I don't I, – you know, I mean – you think about what happened to Hulk Hogan. I don't think you can be racist in WWE. And uh, this is a man that can appeal, has a big a big four quadrants of appeal, you know? Right, uh, right. If, if people understand what that means, I think he's, uh, I think he appeals to women. I think he appeals to men. He appeals to the big guy aspect. And uh, I think he approach, I think he appeals to multiracial elements as you know being uh, related to the rock who is of course you know a man of samoan descent uh mm-hmm. so you've got that business going on and um i don't blame them for pushing him i just want to see him be better than he is it can't all be superman punches it can't all be coming out and yelling and it can't all be like iron man jump fist punch the ring crap i mean there just needs to be yeah. more than that i need to see him you talk about kenny omega how many moves does he have 98 136. Oh, oh uh, if he's got a ton of them. I mean, if you ask Kevin Owens, I think there's actually a YouTube video like the 98 moves of Kevin Owens. It's ridiculous. See, you get that? <laughs> I, it, it feels to me like Roman Reigns has six moves. I need to see at least 15. Okay. Yeah. You just can't. You can't put. You can't cram this guy down our throats and not make him also not make it an interesting thing. So yeah, surprise us. Surprise let us, us with do, the way let us see more. I don't. I'm not asking him to come out and be Ricochet or Aleister Black. I want yeah. him to come out and be him, but I want him to surprise us with more material. And uh, but still, you know, as far as that goes, as far as the Shield goes, whether they do it or not, I hope they do it. We want to see that. I you know I got on there. Uh, I got online and, and watched a lot of material this week, and uh, Booker T talking about Dean Ambrose. I love Booker T, man. That guy knows what he's talking about, obviously. Years and years and years of experience. Uh, talking about how hard it is. <laughs> talking about how hard it is to be out there 
and going from town to town, I totally believe Dean Ambrose sitting there saying, I don't like doing the hokey shit, but at least yeah. he's got Renee and she's in the business and they can travel together. That's got to, that's got to account for something. But they uh, pulled her, they pulled her aside. This is bullshit. You think they pulled her aside the other day because there's rumors going around. She was pregnant. And when they pulled her aside, she thought she was getting told that, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm a girl and I'm not doing a good job at the boys commentary. No, they were having to defend her. Wait, she wasn't pregnant. She's fascinating. Really? Yeah, in, in 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 regards to her her keeping her job, like like you know this this mess is going down with whether or not Dean Ambrose is going to sign with WWE again, and then you know you were telling me earlier that they that they quickly pulled his name from a May posting earlier right. today. Yeah, they're and, talking uh, about so so you guys know what that means. Uh, they're talking. They had him listed as being a uh, at an event that's taking place in May, and then they they either realized after, his mistake or they were teasing it, so they pulled that information asap yeah and then roman saying you know I'll, I'll take care of it you know when it comes to dean still signing uh whatever whatever happens whatever happens whatever's best for dean or dean or whatever's best for john moxley dude let him let him do what he's doing have one more big shield reunion and let him walk away and let him come back in a couple of years if he wants to you yeah it'll happen I mean, I, I listened to a lot of Chris Jericho podcasts this week, this last week. Oh, yeah. And uh, you were asking me what I did on Thursday. I probably was – I think that's what I was doing as I was playing with Legos and listening to Chris Jericho. And he was talking about all the uh, – you know, why why he's with or not with the WWE. And uh, it's I feel like it's the same kind of business is uh, – what do they want to do with his with him? What do they want to do with his character? What if he wants to go over and he wants to do an event in this country or an appearance somewhere? And uh, I think they just keep, they'll open the door to someone like Chris. They'll open the door again for Dean Ambrose. He's a he's just too much of a well-rounded guy. But let him go off and do what he's going to do, and then say, "Yeah, we'll get you back in for a special." Well, they have Batista back, and Batista ah, might be trying nice. to trying That'll to retire. So happy. Yeah, he might be coming back to fight Triple H and then retire. Yeah? How could that be a bad thing? If he's going to go off and he wants to do his movie career, I get that. But you know, it's interesting listening to him in uh, interviews because he, he always says, I love the wrestling. I love it. But I think that the business is what's bothering him. And uh, he takes the crowd personally. I think so when he's being booed, but then he's like, I'd rather play a heel. Well, then you can't get, you know, butthurt about the crowd booing you or treating you that way. That's the character. Is Roman Reigns letting that get to him? Maybe a little bit. He's he's doing the Lorne Michaels thing where it's like, well, it got a boo, but (laughs) did did it get the right boo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that. That's funny. It's Uh, it's. He's he's a good he's supposed to be a good guy. I mean, like, I don't, I don't even know why I even said that because you hear everything back and forth flip flop from every wrestler. Like, where John Cena's the nicest guy in the world, and you hear my buddy was telling me about yeah, he came to my liquor store one time and he was a complete douchebag and and bought some of the most ridiculous drink you could drink, like <laughs> like something you would not expect, something that Stone Cold would laugh out of the building and and. Ugh. Anyway, so we talked enough. About, that's fun. <laughs> we, we've we let's uh, let's talk. Let's switch it up a bit, man. Yeah, we, we got to move talk over about, to comics or something. We got to move over to comics. Uh, we yeah. got to move over to comics. Uh, what I've got for you guys this week that I read that I was really excited about: uh, the Wicked and Divine. Oh yeah, number number forty two. 
by uh, Mr. Gillian and uh, McKelvey, Wilson and Close. And we've got Fantastic Four, number seven, Dan Slott, Aaron Cruder, Marty Garcia. Dan Slott, hooray. Gracia, Gracia, sorry. Yeah, Dan Slott. No, this was a Fantastic Four made me happy. Uh, the thing I do know about Sarah Pacelli, who's usually doing good stuff with Mr. Uh, Dan Slott lately and did a lot of good stuff with Mr. Bendis back in the day creating Miles Morales, is that her creative her creative process is a little bit longer than some other people, and they obviously give her a little bit of leeway for that. But they, they, the guy that they brought in to do the artwork for this issue did not suck. Uh-huh. Now, Aaron, Aaron Cooter, like, this one is really good. The, the colors are great. It's not flat. The, the fact that Galactus is standing on the Earth, it, I immediately was not pulled out of suspense of disbelief. The fact that Doom outsmarted Mr. Reed Richards, that made me very happy. You know what? Hey, I did not read that. Uh, but because you're telling me these things, I automatically want to check these things out. I can't wait. i got to get this now. Well, Galactus is hungering. Uh-huh. And Doom's, Doom's a right-hand woman. She has all this eternal energy inside of her. And Galactus gets a taste of it, and he, he wants it. And that's basically the carrot that Doom is uh, dangling in front of uh, of Galactus. And... They're doing their best to stop it. For some reason, the uh, the thing doesn't get destroyed by cosmic power, and that was you know confused everyone, which was awesome when you find out you've got a better power you didn't know about. Oh, yeah. And when they actually take down Galactus, when Reed, who's like you know eleventh hour guy, they're like do something. And he makes his fingers, he stretches his skin to look like the ultimate nullifier. Like, hey buddy, I've got this in my hand. <laughs> and <laughs> and pull that old it, chestnut out. Yeah, it just it, it was, he didn't really have it. He just stretched his skin to make it look like it. In any other battle, Galactus would have seen it, but he was a little <laughs> bit distracted. He was a little bit distracted and got taken down. And Doom's ultimate end game here was to take down Galactus, and he immediately starts getting absorbed into the mountain, into the actual Latvian ground. He's going to be the source of cosmic power to change the world and bring Laveria into something a little bit higher than just being a tiny little sovereign nation. Like they're going to have ultimate energy. Why didn't I? Oh man, that's awesome. I can't wait to read that. And they're going to have ultimate energy and we've got doom like, yeah, Hey, yeah, that's my energy. Oh, by the way, I'm really sorry. Thanks for helping. Uh, you're going to get tried for, uh, for we're going to, we're going to kill you. (laughs) Let's examine this a little bit. We okay. talk about this. <clears throat> are you are you a consistent FF reader? Have you been reading the FF your whole life or just sometimes? I would say I'm a consistent FF reader. And even when I didn't know what was going on, I, I mean, when I was, wasn't reading it, I still knew what was going on and have a very good working knowledge of the FF. What is it about these characters that is most compelling to us? You and I, I'm particularly fascinated with Latveria with uh, Dr. Doom, his control over it. Does he love it? Does he control it? Is he a tyrant? Does he doing it for the people? That varies depending on whether or not you were reading Ultimate FF or, you know, Consistent FF, if you want to even call it consistent. You know, the world's greatest comics magazine. But, um, I mean, what is it that keeps us coming back to these guys? I think it's their family dynamic. Yeah. It's the family dynamic, and... There's four. There's not just four of them anymore. There's you know the Future Foundation. Uh-huh. Uh, their their children are absolutely not one-dimensional characters, especially that Doom is pretty much 
uncle doom to the to the daughter. To yeah, Valeria. Yeah, to Valeria, like that. She she loves that guy, and he hasn't really said it out loud, but he loves her too. But he's kind of he's not the cool uncle. He's not the one that's like giving her alcohol when they're not looking. No, he's giving her <laughs> he's giving her puzzles and math problems and technology she has no business having. <laughs> hey, figure it out, otherwise I'll be ashamed of you. They do a really good intro here where Doom is Doom and his father when he was little were being chased down to be murdered. Uh-huh. And Doom's father is like you we're not surrendering and you're not dying. I'm going to do everything to keep you alive. And as they're in the Latvian wilderness, like the dad put every bit of clothing he could put on, on young Victor Von Doom to make sure he made it through the night until someone found him. And that's how it started out. And that's the preface that they have going into this issue is that Doom remembers that. He also loves his country, and he's not going to let it be this backwoods place anymore, especially after that long saga where he is – Pretending to be – well, not pretending to be – he was really trying to be a hero. All the oh infamous Iron Man. Like, was he great. was doing his best. But he, he, Man, folks. he took it. that – he didn't stay you know, trying to be a hero, but he certainly did not not learn from it. Mm-hmm. And he's using those ideas now to be a new type of Doom. But he's you know, that, he's that nice tweener if we're talking you know, uh, wrestling style here. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Or if you want to talk comic terms, is he the anti-hero? You know what? I, That's the best. I just realized, and I don't know why I haven't really. It's one of those things that you kind of know, and then, but it just suddenly clicked to me. I mean, I got a great ink painting from Jay Lee of the Submariner right here in front of me. And um, it's an original piece. That's what the FF does. You have guys who are clearly the good guys, the FF. They are pretty much never turned to evil with some exceptions of what you could qualify as Reed Richards being kind of a psycho during the Civil War plotline with uh, Tony Stark. But what uh, but what you've got is the Submariner, and you've got Doctor Doom. Are they good guys? Are they bad guys? They control a kingdom? That's their thing. How can we take these... How come we can take these guys so seriously, but then you've got, like, the Mole Man, who's virtually the same thing? <laughs> and... <laughs> Do we really care? You know, I don't know. Well, and then, I, but I care. what really, what really started me asking this question before we move on to the next book is Galactus. Why does he keep coming back to Earth? Space Doom. is vast. Doom, Doom tempted him. Okay, okay. I'm glad you had. This that's is, a real answer for a real question. Yeah, Doom, Doom tempted his ass. If we didn't see anything that involved Galactus at Earth for. 15 years, I would be cool with that because we can still encounter him in other places with other characters. The Fantastic Four, they do things. Their base of operations is Earth. But, like, at a certain point, how much more does Earth have to offer them if they don't change? I'm starting to look at comics in a particular way, and I'm thinking about... I know you don't like uh, the the Age of Ultron movie very much, but... I can't get over James Spader Ultron saying, you want to save the Earth, but you don't want to change. We aren't seeing any changes. We're not seeing anything different, you know? The technology is just the technology that we've got, except when you've got, like, what Tony Stark has, or we don't have an entire army of Hulks ready to protect the Earth when it turns out only one is necessary. But, like, the FF, 
are these technologies sitting there waiting to be pulled out if another Galactus-type critter shows up and wants to mess with things? And uh, what is the... I, I like that whole storyline with the FF being off Earth for a year. Let somebody else be the FF on Earth for a while. We're going to be out and we're going to find some family time adventuring off-world. Totally a great concept. I totally dug that. That's a couple of years ago. But yeah, the FF have to come back to Earth now and again. Just seems to me that, you know, there's plenty of other places for Galactus to eat. But you've got the real answer. Doom tempted him back. I dig. That's a, that's a totally reasonable thing. i got to read this. I can't wait to read this now. What are you reading? i got a stack of stuff here. I picked up uh, uh, the, the new Star Trek The Q Conflict. Issue number two came out. I picked that up. Um, and I don't always get into all of the Star Trek uh, side stories. Um, I'm going to go in on that one. I'm going to start talking about that one right away. Uh, you. you you in particular have been, uh, I think, appreciating the Q episodes of Next Generation. Right. Uh, what issue? What issue? What, like, what's the full title? Oh, it's Q. It's Star Trek: The Q Conflict. It's by IDW. It's issue number two. It's written by Scott and David Tipton. You got pencils by Dev- David Messina, inks by Elizabetta De Amico, Amico, and uh, colors by Alessandra Alessandra Alex. Alexicus, man, it's just not easy to do these names. Uh, yeah, they've got, you know, it's the same thing they've been doing, multiple different types of covers. I got cover A by David Messina. He actually did uh, cover B also. Um, but, yeah, we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago when issue number one came out. Q, the Metrons, um, the Organians, and Trelane, all of these all-powerful characters basically got together and like, we're going to play a game. It's kind of like the Game Master making the Avengers into the Defenders have to fight one another. Uh, right. You know, that's that kind of business. Ultimate power, you guys, for our amusement, are going to go around and do stuff. So they picked out the Next Generation crew, Voyager crew, Deep Space Nine crew, the original series crew, and completely glossed over Enterprise NX-01, Scott Bakula, Y2J, my hero. Uh, blew them off. Our and, uh, <laughs> I love me some Scott Bakula. I've been watching Quantum Leap uh, a little bit every day. Um, but uh, this was interesting because you've got you've got Riker and uh, Janeway paired up, and Riker is a guy that in later seasons I feel like gets a little bit blown off, and it's kind of funny because she doesn't have Chakotay on her team, so now she's paying attention to Riker. Riker's got all these cool ideas, and he outs he outwits Captain Picard, just like he will in uh, uh, a future Ferengi episode. You're going to see. Um, and then what else do we have here? We've got uh, we've got Worf working with Captain Kirk, and it was impressive how quickly Captain Kirk was able to get over the fact that he had a Klingon on his team, mainly because the Klingon was in a Starfleet uniform, and that was heartening to him. So I dig that immediately. He's like, yeah, you know, because additionally, this is these characters from certain time periods where, you know, Kirk's son hasn't been killed by Klingons yet. So he's not as hardened against Klingons as he will become 
even though he doesn't like them. But, uh, yeah, he and Worf working together was pretty awesome, especially since Worf had contributions that made sense. But I also thought it was kind of an interesting uh, continuity gag in that uh, the original series crew was wearing um, away team jackets. We hadn't seen – we don't see that in the original series after the first episode, and we don't see it again until Star Trek The Motion Picture. And these were away team jackets for Star Trek The Motion Picture, the way they were drawn. So if that was something that uh, Messina wanted to do or if that was something the Triptons wanted to do, it was awesome. Sorry, what? Hey, guys, we cut real quick there for a second. We were having some uh, connectivity issues due to Internet, etc. Um, yeah, so just in conclusion, we we're talking about this Star Trek comic here. It is actually interesting seeing all these characters pair together. But you know, ultimately, despite the fact that it's a lot of fun to see how these guys accomplish these tasks together, to me, it's still a variety of different Starfleet crews. And they're all going to do it in ways that aren't going to hurt each other. They're not going to kill each other. Um, They're in a race to find... A way to uh, use the doorways of the Iconian gateways that'll take them all over the place. I don't think you've encountered that yet, Joshua. But um, I have not. Oh, dude, it's a cool concept, and I mean, it was so such a good deal that they revisited it in Deep Space Nine, and they they did a an, an entire book series about it. Uh, but um, they're still these guys are still going to act like Starfleet if they really wanted to get. Interesting. They could have taken, like, Commander Kor's Klingon crew uh, and the Enterprise crew and, I don't know, a Romulan crew or a Borg cube. I mean, it just – this is fun and all, but I I just wanted to see them raise the stakes. So as as interesting and as entertaining as this is, go a little harder next time with – with characters that we, we know, you know. There's got to be a Cardassian ship. There's got to be uh, somebody else that they could have pulled from. It might have been the race for the DNA hunt that, uh, you know, that the uh, Enterprise Next Generation does with the, the Romulan crew, the Klingon crew, the Cardassian crew later. But uh, we could have pulled these characters all from different time periods and seen how they're limited in their scope of understanding. But, uh Yeah. Anyway, yeah, what else have you got? You got another book? Yeah, I was actually just uh, thinking about how to even say, like, talk about The Wicked and the Vine, because it's the 42nd issue. We've only got three more issues left. They are wrapping up a really huge story, and you you caught me lost in thought when I was like, how would I even describe this? Uh And it's one of those things I've told you guys that we need to actually – once it's finished, we'll go back and we'll do a long box about it oh, yeah. in regards and, and study it. Because if Neil Gaiman's The Sandman was like a solid 10 or a, or a, or a six-star match, I would say this is definitely a four or five. This Like the, the way he, uh, Mr. Kiran, compares fundamental ideas of thought to his favorite rock stars from Tron to Chelsea Wolf to... Uh, this is this goth dude has got to be Nick Cave. It's fluctuated from like four different ideas. I'm like, okay, is he Manson now? Is he Reznor? Or, or is he Nick Cave? Um, they introduced the idea of who's actually 
causing the great darkness and this splash page they do is just phenomenal i mean it's one of those things where i'm like okay i can't believe i ever hated on digital art before because it's gorgeous the idea of something suffering that needs to be killed and the idea that this tiny little girl is a loophole in her own creation and responsible for her own death and her own life as she murders herself throughout the centuries and that these quote unquote gods that are rock stars and divas think that they're going to, I don't know, man, like they, she's been controlling them since the beginning. She's been controlling them through time and she's got contingency plans for contingency plans. And I don't know if these guys are going to make it. And I'm really worried about it. I, I think the only thing you can really talk about right now is that I don't think that all the people that you really have loved, if you've been reading the wicked and divine are going to make it. I don't think they are. I, and I really hope they don't. I, the reason why is because I want him to do it again in 20 years with new rock stars that he likes. Is Gillian, he, he, he's at the end of it talking about, I'm listening to LCC, LCD sound system. And I'm like, okay, that's, I can, I can totally see that, which makes me think about what else he's listening to. And this is just the rabbit hole I get into when I have to be like obsessed with something or somebody. And I, I want to know all their inner workings. So I used to DJ. So when you tell me that you're listening to LCD sound system after I know for a fact that you're a huge Prince fan, Michael Jackson fan, uh, all the, the crazy gas stuff we would all get into back in the early 2000s and in the, the mid 80s. I just want to know more about what makes you tick. And I think this is one of the keys <laughs> to it. And I think he's, I, I, I really one of the best parts about this book is I feel like we're not just getting to know all these rock star gods. We're getting to know uh Kieran's fantasies. We're getting to know him. Like when when Ball is DJing a show, I don't I don't think it's really Ball doing it. I think it's how Mr. G- Mr. Gillian sees himself if he was going to do it, and in in a different form, in a different place, with a different mindset. And I feel like it's like I said, just to you know bring it home. I'm ranting that this is not just getting to know the gods. It's getting to know his fantasies. It's getting to know his loves and his desires and failures and triumphs and. I, I really, I really think this is going to be one of his magnum opuses. Awesome, man! I'm. <clears throat> you're saying that it's uh, going to issue fifty, and that's the end, correct? Yeah, it's on. No, no, it's going to end at forty-five. Okay, yeah. At, he says there's only three more issues, and again, I uh, just want to make sure it's it's number forty-two. It just came out, and we've got McKelvey, Wilson, and Cowles doing the the extra work, other than the. The writing. Are you going to reread them all to long box them? Should I? I could pick these up and trade. That is what I can't wait for because I have a huge hole in my Wicked and Divine uh, collection. I've read them all. Mm-hmm. However, I think I have one through twenty-five. And then I got poor, and then <laughs> around around thirty, I picked it up again. So I've got a little bit of a hole. But I'm really looking forward to getting all of. The, they've been releasing these really nice all black hardbounds that are not expensive. They're like thirty dollars for like mm-hmm. ten, fifteen issues. So that's something I want on my shelf. That's one thing I. It's it's kind of stupid because I'm not one of those guys when I want to show off like my Prada bag. But if you come to my house, <laughs> you, you're what I'm showing off is artwork in precious volumes and limited edition sets and so, like the the rarest issue that I could find from some random thing the way you do except I've got I'm mostly the indie guy so <laughs> I've got stuff you could easily find that's probably like 20 bucks but I got it when it came out god damn it <laughs> I got it the day it came out like when I 
like when I was like, I called you from Speeding Bullet. I'm like, hey, there's this new comic out called Saga. And you're like, cool. And I'm like, I think it's going to be really good. And you're like, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And they had like four issues left. And I went and I bought two of them, one for you, one for me. I still have a Saga number one for you in a box somewhere. Yours isn't signed like mine is. But uh, <laughs> there's a Saga number one out there for you that when you were like, I don't know, man. Like, okay, so what? <laughs> I, I, I know that I've got uh... – I know that I somehow read the beginning of it, and uh, I, it's there's so many problems when it comes to whether or not you're going to pick something up. And with my career the way it has been, me trying to read something before I go to bed, not the time to do it. Me trying to read something right when I wake up when I'm having my coffee, that's when I'm going to retain information. Because throughout the day, it's hard for me to find time to sit down and just read but if I go to the store and I pick up four or five books or something like that, then yeah, it's uh, it's gonna get read, and then we're gonna talk about it, you know. But um, for yeah, whatever well, reason, a, when I was reading that, it just wasn't something that was clicking with me. No, it's fine. I'm just saying that you've got a kid and you've got a big family, and I have no kids, no very little personal life. <laughs> it's just uh, it's pretty much it's it's pretty much just you and Christina and Stacy and Nicole. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and the only person I ever see is like well, you know because well it doesn't matter but anyway I've got <laughs> I've, I've got the time that's what I'm saying I got the time and, and I would love to have a kid one day but it, I don't I'm gonna be a little nervous I'm like hey this great kid look at him I made this and there goes my comics <laughs> I don't know man it's hard to okay hey so we'll get into that another time we'll have a long talk right? about kids uh, <laughs> my boy. I, 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 I make a joke every now and again. People know that I'm not being serious uh, as soon as I say it, but in reality, I probably am. Or say, if you're ever in a position to accidentally have a kid, have that kid because you're probably, you know, my, my life uh, being what it was, if I hadn't had uh, my boy when I had him, I don't know when that was going to happen. And because um, you're just going to sit there tricking yourself into thinking that it can't be done. And uh, there's a lot of things in our lives. I got some specific people that would nail me for saying this right now, but uh, there's a lot of things in your life you think you can't do because you don't have the money or you don't have the time. I'm like, you're gonna take care of that kid if you've got them. If you've, if <laughs> you're gonna find a way to do it. There's a lot of people, a lot of people that don't. It's just the way of things. But uh, that wasn't gonna be me. So that's why I have a kid that understands who Daredevil is <laughs> and Star Trek and all that's kinds awesome. of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, let me click over to Daredevil real quick. I mean, please do. I'm on. Uh, this is a this is Chip Zdarsky, who we have uh, seen plenty of material from Marco Cicello, I think, and Sunny Go. Um, this is the second issue of the No Fear uh, story arc, and it's the the new, more or less relaunch of Daredevil. Um, I, this has been great. I mean, we have this. We have this new character that's a cop wandering around. Uh, part of the uh, in issue number one, I thought this guy is working for the kingpin. He is the kingpin is the mayor of New York, right? He has an anti superhero policy going on. He wants to get these guys taken down. It's a great a great thing to go. I wish that we were seeing this in other books. Uh, I don't know how that would fly against someone like the Avengers, but it could 
chill things down on Spider-Man. It could shut down a lot of characters, a lot of street-level characters in New York. But then it's like, okay, how far does the mayor extend in his boundaries? And um, so this character is wandering around taking care of business, and we think, oh, he's anti-superhero. He's got to be in the pocket of the kingpin. Issue number two here, he gets paired up with a new partner. He's totally not. He came, where was it, from, uh, I think it was Chicago, and he's trying to take down the kingpin. And he thinks he's going to do that by taking down Daredevil. This guy. How would he even it, make that rationalization? Huh? You How would he even make that rationalization? Uh, I don't know yet. We haven't figured that out yet. But we've got a lot of his internal dialogue. And um, I'm fascinated to see where this guy goes. He's a big, tough, pseudo mohawked person of color. And uh, we see him beating on a bag at the beginning of it and boxing. And um, I don't think he's super-powered. I hope he's not super-powered. I like reading super-powered magazines with a lot of regular folks who can do awesome stuff. I love the idea of the Hell's Kitchen unpowered badass because I love that Hell's Kitchen universe. It's interesting because it's really a small place and it's not nearly as sketch. Uh these days as uh, as it has always been portrayed. It is a very small part of New York City. And um, I, you, 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 uh, I think Daredevil, Daredevil is a hard character to see operating outside of there, but Spidey's all over the place. He's not just Queens. So Daredevil, I like it when Daredevil is out doing things in other parts of New York City. I don't see Daredevil being involved in, like, the Axis plotline or AVX yeah. or something like that. I, something just, big Avengers. It doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I can see him helping out the Avengers now and again, but that's the thing. Thinking about Hell's Kitchen, it's not as big a place. It's a neighborhood, you know? Uh, right. it, it's as big as my dinky little town. It's, you know, my little college town. And it's part of a greater city, so... But I don't think it's portray- I don't think it's uh, portrayed properly. It's not as sketch a place as uh, as uh, it's always been made out to be in the Daredevil comics. Where do you think they're going to take the story? I am excited because what we have going on is that Matt just came back, of course, from Matt Murdock, who is Daredevil, just came back from uh, this event book, having been hit by a car and all of his old injuries. He's got a lot of unhealed injuries. And uh, or improperly healed injuries, and uh, he had to get over that. So he's a new daredevil, but he's not a hundred percent. And the idea is that he may have accidentally killed somebody, beaten him down. It was obviously a dirt bag, but the guy died. And so daredevil is uh, is allegedly a murderer, un uh, with not throughout any kind of like trial. Or anything, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, they could carry this storyline out for a while. Are you good enough to come back? Are you, you know, should you hang up the mask? Should you get rid of the whole business? And uh, right now he should be, he's, he's wondering, like, if Daredevil goes away for a while, then it makes Daredevil look like he killed this guy. 
So he's like, right. no, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be seen. And that automatically gets him in trouble. And, uh, yeah, I'm honestly, this is one of those books, like right now, I'm looking forward to the next one. Because this is compelling storytelling. That's something that's lacking in a lot of the Marvel books right now is that compelling storytelling that other than just constant excitement and fulfillment. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are, this is a, this is a character driven book as opposed to a team driven book. And you have Mm -hmm. all of these characters, but they don't all have to be doing something all of the time to keep it relevant. This isn't uh, like, I don't know, West coast Avengers or anything else, which I happen to have picked up this week. Um, And, uh, it's not the Fantastic Four. Where, you know, not everybody has to have something to do in each of these stories. It's a rotating roster of side characters, and they aren't all superpowered. You know, you've always got Luke Cage, and you've always got Jessica Jones drifting in and out. You'll have Danny Rand, Iron Fist come in and out. And uh, and for our, for our, our listeners who haven't watched uh, the Iron Fist TV series, or if you have, I guess. Um, very different compared to his comic book persona, his comic book adaptations. But, uh, yeah. I How mean, did you feel about it? <clears throat> Sorry? How did you feel about him? The TV series? Yeah. Uh, I watched a bunch of it with Sheila, and um, I haven't made it through the first season. It takes too damn long for anything to happen. And <clears throat> it's, I mean... I've always been a person that's like, okay, cool, hey, I know the origin story. The origin story shouldn't take 13 or 24 episodes with no commercials, you know? Not at all. I guess I just get bored with that. I just want to see the guy in the middle of things and then give us us the intro later. Like, if you go back and watch Firefly, you just dropped into those characters. And then what was it? It was... Many episodes in when they finally were like, well, how did you all get on board this ship? And how do you guys know each other? And blah, blah, blah. And it's all told in flashback. That's great, man. Yeah. I think the great. It was fun. uh, Yeah. I just, I think that's better because we talk about the meat and potatoes. I like to talk about the fun and games and the promise of the premise. Because I'm a big. Oh, I like that. I I am an adherent of the Blake Snyder save the cat formula for writing scripts. I think that's, you know, hey, yeah, it's, it's a reality. Whether or not we have in new, fascinating, edgy, futuristic ways of telling stories, screenwriting does follow a formula. I'm not saying it has to be perfect, you know, like everything has to have an emotional resonance point has to happen at a specific uh, time marker. But, Agreed. I mean, you still need those core elements. The meat and potatoes, I like what he says. He calls it fun, fun and games, and he calls it the promise of the premise. And so when you have this big, long, and I know we digress from Daredevil now. We're talking about Iron Fist and other stuff. No, no, it's, it's still perfect. It's when you get away from, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, man, when you get away from the business of uh, what the character is and you're stretching out how long it takes for them to realize it, it's uncomfortable. It's frustrating. And uh, I'm dealing with that with something that I'm writing. How many... How many uh, episodes in do you have to get before the guy is realized? Um, and that's so you and me. I mean, we've we've had multiple discussions about stuff that you and I were writing together, where it's like, no, save that for later, save it down the road. You gotta you gotta 
this is something you got to wean in. I'm not. I, I think maybe I'm I'm going about it the wrong way sometimes. There are definitely stories where, okay, well you're you're following this person's trajectory, but it's got to be a consistent upwards trajectory. If you're going to take your hero in the story, you're going to stick him in a psych ward, and it's going to take forever for him to figure out that his power, he believes in his power, nobody else believes in it. Is he crazy? Does he think he's crazy now? How long does he have to figure that out before something happens and blah, blah, blah? I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. That that was not the direction to, to go with it. I want to see Iron Fist in his costume, in his hood, beating down some bad guys, and then we can go back and we can explore those issues. But we need, I, it, it might be a lot for people to wrap their head around to have two concurrent storylines going on simultaneously. But if you can pair them up in a, in a way, that's an art. And it's it can be done. So They're definitely... Just, they're definitely not my favorite. Sorry. Not at all. I, I watched one episode of it. I actually watched half of one, and I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I'm interested in seeing where it goes. I want I, I do want to get through it, but, you know... <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I know. It's over. The thing. It's all canceled. I'm like... I've got another season of Star Trek Discovery to watch. I uh, gave up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a long time ago, you know? I haven't seen it since the beginnings of the Inhumans stuff, and I'm an Inhumans fan. I didn't even watch that movie because it looked terrible. And um, anyway, yeah, we're way off topic, but... uh, Well, I I want to get back to what you're saying. If you can do two concurrent uh, (laughs) storylines at the same time, you're doing a good job. Uh, Everyone that is doing Age of X-Men, you are not doing a good job. Uh, this is boring. This is, like, obviously you're thinking you can pull off that whole do Age of Apocalypse and bring back all these cool people that you couldn't invent in the regular Marvel Universe. Mm. Uh, stop it. Do something else with X-Men. It's like it's like all the recycled stories in WWE. Just stop. All right, we already know what's going to happen. Like, in Everyone that's working on the candy right now, no, no, you're, you're safe. Everything you're doing is really kick-ass. I love the fact Wolverine's back. They're rebuilding something really good with Scott. They've got a ragtag bunch of misfits to, you know, be the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> However, I'm worried that they're going to start something really kick-ass in our regular Marvel Universe and then everything's going to end in Age of X-Men, and they're just going to just show up, and everything that just happened, that storyline, like, hey, yeah, good job for Wildness, but all the guys we actually wanted, now they're here. Go ahead and scrap anything that you were working on or any tension you were building oh, or any good, or anything like that. We're going to do something else now. You think uh, War of the Realms is going to do that to them? Uh, I, 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 I don't know, man. I, I, I haven't learned that much about War of the Realms. I know that it's going to involve quite a lot of the Marvel Universe. I don't, from what I saw, I don't think it involves the X-Men at all, does it? I, I don't know yet. I mean, uh, I don't see them. You know what? I can find that out real fast. My, my Looking at what that's going to do, it's like, that's what I'm saying about, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, you've got Thor, you've got... Galactus, you've got the FF, you've got all these storylines that can take place off of Earth. That's the, and they do don't it. have to have anything to do with us. Just do it. Confine it to its thing. You know, if you can have Wolverine on every team, why can't you have Thor out in the universe doing Thor stuff? And, it can, and like, <laughs> it's all out there. It's a big universe you've created. Explore it, exploit it. It's there. Do you think that? Do you think that the multiple stories they do with like Avengers 
and everyone in the Avengers in their own universes. Do you think that that's a bad thing that like 10 things are happening at once? Or do you think they're not challenging themselves enough to focus enough to uh, have a really nice coherent Marvel universe the way it was back in the eighties and early nineties? Or do you think well, it's now the, the, where they're constantly scrambling? Well, that issue didn't sell well enough. We got to change something. This study says now we got to do this. You think they're on that sort of cusp because the actual physical comic industry is always on the edge of being shut down? I think it pertains – That's those are interesting questions. I think it pertains to a conversation I had with Sterling Gates one time. Um, this – at some point – if you go back and you read like uh, Michael Shabin's – I'm sorry, I've jumped like three conversations here. Sterling Gates and I talked over dinner one time several years ago, and we were talking about how the comics industry serves as an advertisement to sell toys. And so right. that it's corroborated by that untold, untold uh, history of Marvel Comics that Jim Shooter shot down that you and I read. Because when you have Marvel Comics teaming up or getting bought or buying into Toy Biz, of course – because you're trying, you know, you've got a four dollar book or a buck twenty five in the '90s or whatever it happened to be. Uh, you're trying to get that extra dollar by buying a three, four, seven, ten dollar action figure and getting kids to get their parents' money to do that, or buying a nineteen, thirty, fifty, seventy five, a hundred dollar Lego set now that incorporates. Minifigs and all of that stuff. And then <clears throat> whatever else, you know, um, go back and watch uh, The Toys That Made Us, the Star Wars episode. This is a Netflix series. If you haven't seen it, it's freaking great. Uh, Documentary-style, quirky, fun interviews with the real people who made your favorite toys. So the Kenner episode about Star Wars toys goes in and says it. You know, you've got a movie that's in the theater for... However many months, it's not the same thing as having a concurrent cartoon TV series. I'd like to give a shout-out then to the Toy Galaxy people, Dan Larson and his guys, on YouTube, because they talk about this in every single episode about toys. It's all an avenue to sell toys. So the conversation I was having with Sterling, I was complaining about being an old-school comics reader, wanting to say, I want to find a store that has a bunch of back issues, because I want to read the old stories, and I want to read the um, I want to read something that has a contiguous feeling to it. I want to read Spider-Man yeah. 363. I want to read 364. I want to read 365. Not relaunch number one from 2008, and then relaunch number one from 2000. I don't know. Did I say 2008, 2009, and then not relaunch yeah. number I know one? What you meant. I know what you Bob, meant. you know what I'm talking about. I, folks, readers and sub listeners, subscribers, anybody, think about what you're buying over and over again. Why is there another Guardians number one on the stand right now? Why is there a Daredevil number two? Why is there a, a uh, I can't say that with some of my stuff. I mean, Star Trek and Fight Club 3. Right, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. They, you may, but I want to I make sure that we're, we, we need to look at this from the 360 degrees. Why is there a relaunch? Because... Your nine-year-old kid who's reading a comic book has a five-year-old brother that says, oh, that's cool, you're reading Guardians of the Galaxy. And 
then they say, I want to read Guardians of the Galaxy. But for whatever reason, you know, like the kid's like, I'm not going to let you read my books or they're all beat up or he traded them or he gave them away. I don't know if anybody trades comics anymore, but like they used to. But um, so then there's a number one Guardians of the Galaxy, a launch point for the five-year-old who was five and now he's seven. And he's like, okay, cool. I can pick this up now and I want to read Guardians. There's a new number one all of the time because there's they're trying to give you a launch off point over and over and over again even in gritty crime books like Daredevil and uh that's in an, and that's also because we're changing creative teams over and over again but when we go back and we see something awesome and it says like okay yeah you're reading Daredevil number 2 but it's really issue 614 thank you for doing that comic book companies I appreciate that personally as an older school fan who reads bronze and silver age books to feel the contiguous world of this character. Even if it's number two, it's still issue number 614. And thank you for giving me a big issue 600, you know, right? Those things are important to us. So what you're asking is, is this in an effect to buy comic books Yes and no, but what it really is, is it's to buy more merchandise. Why has Star Trek and Star Wars persisted like it has? Because they keep licensing out so that products can be made based on their characters and their their toyetic properties. And when people keep buying them, they know that people want more of them, so the license is hot, they sell it, and somebody gets to make more content, and more product keeps coming out. And we live in an age where the best toys in the world, in all of history, came out in the 1980s. Some of them were toyetic licenses. Some of them were new licenses. And it flips. And that's why, that's why Hasbro has so many toy license magazines, toy license comics. You've got Transformers. You've got Strawberry Shortcakes, Thundercats doesn't matter. Even if it was just a toy line, there's still a tie-in comic. So I'm just going to go one step farther. What was it originally? If anybody has read Michael Shaben's The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, such a great book about the comic book industry. But what is the point of selling comics in that book way back at the beginning of comic books before World sell War toys. II? To sell gimmicks, to sell hand buzzers, whoopee cushions, uh, sea monkeys to sell the Atlas body. Atlas, Atlas, you body. Yeah, weight gain formulas to sell <laughs> gimmicks. X-ray know? specs. Why are you watching TV? Not because you're interested in it. Well, you probably are, but they're going to jam those ads down your throat. Why am I paying for YouTube? Because I don't want to see ads anymore. Oh, it drives me nuts, man, especially with when you're watching – when you're trying to watch a trailer for a movie and they make you watch a, a freaking uh, uh, commercial. Yeah. Like, you're making me watch a commercial to watch a commercial? Exactly. Like, oh, Jesus. I remember the first time I went to a movie and saw a car ad went in, like, 1988, and I was like, what the hell? I'm, I'm like, in the <laughs> fifth grade, and I know that this – something's not right about this. I thought they only advertised candy and other movies to us in these. Now I got to go to the theater and I got to see an ad for a car. I yeah, see that they, at they, home. They're going to get you. They're so, going to yeah, get you. Gonna I get hope you I answered that question. That's my comics are comics, 
And they are an interesting... Stan Lee would always tell you that this is a high art. And he's not wrong. This is a pop art. That's sorry. But it is... It is an avenue to get you to buy Kate Bishop toys or Foggy, <laughs> Foggy Nelson or uh, whatever else, you know? Even the oh, side character. Oh, you know how many Mary Jane action figures I've got? Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> is that I've the six ex- million dollar man's boss? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, uh, I definitely have a Mary Jane Watson action figure up there. And I definitely Dude, I have a, a Kirsten Dunst in Chinese silk dress, 2002 Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire action figure because it was Mary Jane. And I'm a fan of Mary Jane. And, like, you did know you, I'm buying did you a buy Lego it full set price? that's got her. When it came did you out, buy it full, Did you I buy know. it full price? I'm sure I bought it at a dollar comic book store bin four years later. <laughs> Oh, by the way, folks, if you're interested, I'll be selling. <laughs> I'm selling stuff on eBay right now, and uh, if you're interested, I will. I will at this point put my Mary Jane Watson action figure on eBay. You let me know if you're will, interested, and I'll let you know what, he the, will what the link even is. Even sign it for you. I'll, s- <laughs> I'll send you a, a, a typewritten letter that I signed. I'm not going to sign an action figure. I didn't have anything to do with fabricating. <laughs> well, I mean. Dan Lee signs stuff all the time he had literally nothing to do with just because there's a Marvel logo on it. Like, it always really cracks me up when people are trying to sell Deadpool comics signed by Stan Lee. Who the F cares, man? <laughs> <laughs> Unless it was like a limited edition cover of him being the strip club DJ. Yeah, no thank you. Man, yeah. Marvel Boy. I want a Marvel Boy action figure. I don't know if Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I picked up West Coast Avengers number seven. I'm not reading it, but I saw, oh, Marvel Boy. The Return of Marvel Boy? Hell yeah. I just read Marvel Boy, and I longboxed about it. Uh, so anybody who has been listening, I think you probably hit that issue or that uh, episode or whatever, that podcast of us talking about that. And there's, I mean, I didn't even know he dated uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Uh, those of you who you don't know she's... who she is, she was one of the, what was it? She was Young Avengers, right? And, uh... That's, that's, that's your, that's, that's your room on that one. It was <laughs> nothing you could have said in that timeline. It could have, I mean, it's something that said young Avengers on it during, uh, during that time. I was, yeah. I was full fledged into all the kick-ass vertigo stuff that was coming out at the time. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Kate Bishop is a, a Hawkeye, uh, a, like the lady version of Hawkeye, but instead of being like, you know, oh, I don't know, spider woman like in seventies or the she Hulk or something, they made her a teenager, part of the young Avengers. I think it was 2008 ish. Uh, definitely a Bendis joint. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so they had the young Avengers right about the time of Avengers disassembled had an interesting car- cast of characters that were who- what you would expect. And then twisted a little bit, you know? So like Hulkling was a scroll. He wasn't actually a gamma-powered super character. He was a Skrull who was like, I can be, I can make myself look like that, and I can be. You have Wiccan, who, um, uh, honestly, is still a pretty cool character. He has uh, Asgardian capabilities, so he was the team magician. You had Iron Lad, and then the ultimate reveal was that Iron Lad turned out to be a, uh, a very, very young Kang, the time-traveling conqueror. Um 
And Hawkeye, I, I, I went back. I can't recall, dude. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe somebody can set me straight. Please do. Uh, because uh, I've got Google up right here. Yeah, I mean, Kate Bishop is not actually related to uh, Clint Barton Hawkeye. She wanted to be. Right. She is an archer, and she wanted to carry on the legacy because, uh, quantifiably, I believe uh, Hawkeye was dead for a moment after Avengers disassembled due to the Scarlet Witch's whole business. No more mutants? Uh, Anyway, but um, apparently Mm -hmm. at some point, West Coast Avengers, let's just go into it here. Kelly Thompson. Uh, What issue? Number seven. Yep, there we go. West Coast Avengers number seven. I picked this one up, and I know this is not this week's. Because issue number eight is out. But I saw it on the stand, and I was like, oh, heck yeah, Marvel Boy. Especially because, look, really, I got suckered into the cover. That's what L.A. looks like. If you look this up, that's what L.A. looks like. A sunset blasting out the background. um, And what I love, love about the artwork on this cover is that our two characters are backlit. They have a glow around them. Like you see when people are backlit. Uh, I just think that's an excellent lighting effect, even though they're pretty much in full light. They should be a little bit darker. But I'm not dissing because I'm going to – I totally love it. I think this is beautiful. I love the, the logo as graffiti. Um, and then I get into it, and I'm just – because I was like, yeah, what's going on with, uh, with Marvel Boy? I didn't know he dated Kate Bishop. Now I've got a whole thing I want to go back and figure out. Now I want to read the whole series just to see what the heck is going on. This is a, what is this cast of character? West Coast Avengers, you've got Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, you've got Hawkeye, Clint Barton, you've got Gwen Poole, apparently her name is Gwen Poole. I'm sorry, guys, I don't I'm, know anything about those I'm characters. sick of it. Huh? Sick of it. Yeah, I'm the, sick of it. The Deadpool sploogy overload needs to stop. Uh, we've hey, got, that, that, that is a really good analogy, because Deadpool is turned into the herpes of the Marvel Universe. Like, okay, if you love him, you'll stick with him. <clears throat> you know, you might want to stay with it, but he's infected. Gwenpool, really, from a different universe now, it's Gwen Universe as a Deadpool-type person. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, it's retarded to me. Like, like, you don't need the money. You don't need the money. Do you really need the money that much to make this asinine character? I, I just, I don't know what the point, I, I don't know who she is. I don't see how she has anything to do with anything it's just we're just jamming more, more Deadpoolish BS into there. Um, America, America Chavez. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what she is either. Uh, Kid Omega. Whoop. Quentin Choir. He's in the book. Kid Omega. Kid Omega. So if you're going to have a book that has a Grant Bill Morrison character in it, why don't you pull out Marvel Boy? At the and then a character named Magneto Hughes had and the Johnny right Watts. idea. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> legitimately, I don't know what the hell's going on in this book, but I appreciate the fact that uh, I'm not a MODOK fan, but as far I as the Modoc. bad guys are concerned, I do not like Modoc. We've got Graviton and we've got Madame Mask in addition to uh, Satana. And I'll tell you what, folks, Madame Mask, the last time I saw anybody do anything relevant with her was in Bendis and Malieve's Moon Knight, which took place in California. What like 2012 ish? Was uh, that was he was was that when he was in the Saint Asylum? No, 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 not at all. He was uh, Mark. Uh, was he the Spectre. actor at the time? Yeah, he was trying to act and produce his own movie out there, 
and he inexplicably encountered a head the the head of an Ultron, and Count Nefaria, who I love, uh, who is tragically underused, and think about the Kingpin. We put the Kingpin in a lot of books, folks. And we see what his influence is. Count Nefaria is the kingpin Thor level. And I think, you know, he goes out and he gets his ass busted occasionally. But for real, that guy could crush anything. He is an evil Superman. And he runs the Magia. The Magia is the is a, an aspect of the Mafia. And uh, the kingpin works for the Magia, one way or right? another. So, Love that um, Go in and check that stuff out. I'm throwing around a lot of terms. Take the time on your lunch break, Wikipedia this stuff, uh, or just, you, dude, go check out that, that Moon Knight I just talked about. I just appreciate, because Madame Mask is Count Nefaria's daughter and a, a uh, one-and-sometime paramour of uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark Iron Man. Um, she's a, like a, you know, weapons dealer and such. And... Um, She's a West Coast-based character. I just, I love it when they do stuff on the West Coast. I love the concept of the West Coast Avengers. When I was living out there, my comics buddies and, and me, we called ourselves the West Coast Avengers. We have not uh, assembled in quite a long time. <clears throat> but um, it wouldn't quite be a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. Anyway, I'm going to say I want to read this book. Mainly because I want to see what the frick is going on. And, uh, you know, I don't want, I want to see how they introed him. I want to see if they're going to keep up with Marvel Boy. I mean, Marvel Boy was Novar, the uh, Kree soldier from another reality. He's bisexual. Do you think he's, one of, he's fascinating. Do you think he's one of those characters that has a potential list, uh, a, a list potential, but no. No, one, no one knows what the hell to do with him? No one knows what to do with him. No one knows what the hell to do with him. Like uh, Moon Knight? Like, because every time they start a Moon Knight comic, the first six issues are great, and they toss it off to someone else, and then just go straight down the toilet. I don't think I don't think Novar, Marvel Boy, or Protector, as he was known after he joined the Avengers, uh, needs to be in his own book. Like, this, I feel the same way about one of our uh, interesting characters. It's like, I love Major Victory. Out of the Guardians books, the old Guardians books, and even the Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning Guardians books. But uh, I don't like Justice from the New Warriors. And those two characters, everybody, are one and the same. That's, uh, <clears throat> I, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's like, just Marvel Boy, under Grant Morrison, was interesting, fascinating, and amazing. But anybody else, I, I think he's going to be a watered-down wishy-washy character that nobody really knows what to do with. But uh, they did get his personality a little bit correct here. Go back. If you're interested in this guy, of course, go in and check out Dark Avengers because he was part of the uh, part of Norman Osborn's Dark Avengers team. And then also go in and look at uh, uh, what's the other thing he was in? I lost it. I'll come back to it, guys. Sorry about that. I hate it when that happens. It escaped from your head? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, the Illuminati. You, the Illuminati is like a touchstone. You don't need it to know what's going on everywhere, but it's like the Rosetta Stone, and it came out so much later. You don't need it, but once you've read it, you're like, 
oh my gosh, this really fills in some fascinating gaps. If you uh, Go to your comic book store, go to your local. I'd tell you to get online, you're going to find it online. But go, go, go buy it from somebody that's going to help out. You're already buying something from somebody. You might as well look for it at your local. Please do that. The Illuminati in trade paperback or in hardback, focusing on the most powerful superheroes, Professor X, Tony Stark, uh, Namor the Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, Black Bolt of the Inhumans, or uh, Black Agar Baltagon, if you're in the know. And um, they go, there's, they, they, they assemble to deal with incalculable threats. And then they break up and they go on their separate ways and back to their own lives. And in one issue, they're like, we need to talk about this guy, Novar. He's imprisoned, and uh, we need to see if we can change his mind about how he's conducting himself. Because he is outrageously powerful, and he can wreck a lot of stuff. So uh, if you haven't read The Illuminati, go and check that book out. It's just something else. Uh, What is it, six issues, seven issues, something like that? I have no idea, man. That that is all your expertise there. Oh, come on, man. I have pitched this book over and over to you. I got a copy of it right here, but my headphones won't let me reach over to it. Anyway, folks, check that out. We digress way, way, way off the topic. What else have you got to tell us about today, sir? We've got to, we have to get to Fight Club 3, but I know you have more material. Okay, we, we have to get to Fight Club 3, absolutely. Uh, I can glance. Oh, Superior Spider-Man is going somewhere. Uh, obviously, it's number three, written by a Christos Gage, uh-huh. drawn by Mr. Mike Hawthorne. Inker is Wade von Grabruger, colorist Jordi Belair. Literary VCs, Clayton Cowles. Cover artist, Mr. Travis uh, Cherist. Uh, okay, this book has potential. This is, I don't have much to say about it. It's got potential. He's in, he's on the, he's on the West Coast. He is battling Terax. He encounters huh? a little bit of cosmic energy that he could probably utilize. However, his ex-girlfriend decides not to turn him in after she helps him take it out of him to capture it. And... Well, she lies to him and say that it was taken away, but she's actually got some cosmic energy to work with. I really don't know much what to say about it other than the book has potential, and I feel like it's one of those books where I really hope they don't screw it up because I'm stuck with it now. I'm like, issues in. Uh-huh. And it, I'm going to keep reading it until until I get, like, so fed up. But, like, I got I to gotta know what's going on with the story here. I really like that Doc Ock is inside of uh, the idea that the, the old nerd that used to get beat up all, all the time and has a real big chip on her shoulder no longer has that chip, wants to do good, has been busted being a good guy uh, or bad guy pretending to be a good guy and still trying anyway, mm-hmm. still has re- he still retains the knowledge of Parker and someone knows who he is and it's not like where Mary Jane find out who Spider-Man is and wants to help him out. No, uh, his ex knows who she is and she wants him gone. And she still can't help but help him out. So there's there's that. That's that's all I have about about that particular issue. Right. Uh, you, 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 I, I, I'm just more concerned that they're gonna they're gonna shit the bed on this one, and it's gonna I'm gonna end up looking at all these comics that I feel like I couldn't give away. <laughs> oh, which I, 
Yeah, it's kind of a weird tightrope we walk here. If we're sitting here and we're telling everybody something is awesome, are we ever going to offload those books? And if we are telling people that uh, we weren't into it, we will want to offload it, but uh, Mm -hmm. to whom? I don't know. Trade it in. You know, there's a lot of comic book stores that will take your trade-ins. I guess we've got vintage stock around here, too. Uh, We don't have a vintage stock here in the Springs, man. I wish we did. Yeah. We just have all this cool Colorado stuff that you can't get in uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's, it's that that Swedish (laughs) stuff. You probably wouldn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about Fight Club 3 because I'm really... I'm really concerned about this comic book, by the way. I, I feel way better about it now. That's awesome. I'm glad you have a differing opinion. <laughs> All right, hit me. I want to hear your take on it. Let me see if I can no, swing you. No, you, no, you go first because I'm pulling it up right now. i got to pull it out of my shoulder box. You go first. Oh, okay. I got my copy here. Uh, you've always got your choice of covers, I guess. Um, I ended up with the... Uh, the blush gently <laughs> Satan's salvation cover that kind of looks who the heck did this? I didn't even check that out. It's got a little Looking bit of a Lindsner esque quality if you're into that. Uh, David Matt Cameron Stewart, Francesco Francavela. Um, anyway, yeah, so you know, this is Chuck Planet. Go in and you, you've got to read the whole book, everybody. You've got to read this stuff on the front cover. I don't know that it's revealing anything yet, but yeah, issue number one was so strange. You know, you're introing this old man, you get this picture frame that is apparently opening things to another dimension, but this is Fight Club, so it's not a new dimension. It's got to be a new dimension of the mind. Um, And then we see uh, art. I mean, we're seeing into this art. Dude, I mean, listen to me. It's so complicated. There's no telling what it's, the through it's line convoluted. is. It's convoluted. It is. I was actually, I was at a a friend's. I was at Christina's house the other night. We were watching. Uh, it was last night actually. We were watching uh, some UFC, eating some burgers, and having some Bloody Marys. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one of her friends came over. He had this really kick ass uh, button up with like Stitch Fight Club soaps all into it. And oh, cool. And I wasn't sure if I should bring it up to him yet, but then he he saw me taking a picture of something, and he saw my screenshot was the bat. It, my uh, my my screen on my iPhone is the Batman who laughs. And I'm like, okay, maybe this guy knows comics. And I asked him if he'd read. He's reading Fight Club. He's like, oh no, man, I don't have the time. And I started mentioning, I'm like, well, how do you feel about what he did with two? And he had a little bit of insight, and I was just really concerned because I'm like, I, I remember reading about how Bendis, Matt Fraction, and a few other people really convinced Chuck to really get into the comic book industry. And I think what really got him hooked on it is that you can literally do anything in a comic book without having to worry about some of the suspense of disbelief really going out the window right out the bat. And they probably told him all the rules in graphic novels. You have to do this. you got to do this. And I think he literally said, F you guys. I'm going to break all these rules, find a really, really good uh, artist, and just run with it. And he, he's got all the makings of a good comic book here. Even on the, even on the most base levels, like the, the cardstock for the cover smells delicious. Mm-hmm. The paper is the, the, the best type of paper. The ink jobs, the actual coloring, their actual idea of like what palette they'd pick. Yeah. The way he formats each page in terms of like how he spaces out the 
the panels, panels over panels, like, okay, we're hiding dialogue here just to mess with you because you're not supposed to know that quite yet. And maybe you can theorize about it. So he's opening that window there. It starts out with the calendar, obviously, about all this great stuff happening. And I'm, I don't know what to think so far about this magical painting frame so far other than I if it's might, drugs. So much of this has I to was do with prescription that. medicine. I was thinking that too. You read my mind. It, it might be the idea of like the escape because uh, I was watching Star Trek today and like Wesley's asking about drugs. Why would anyone take a chemical or be, decide to be dependent on it? Well, you might not have the best life and people choose to escape and they get stuck in places and it makes you feel good. It gives you the type of courage you need, the, the, um, Makes you feel better everywhere whatsoever. However, the payoff goes away right away, and the cost is how bad it makes you feel the next day. And then when you have to like take it again to feel better again, you get stuck in an endless loop. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the the themes that he's really stuck with since the the original novel to the movie to now Fight Club Three. And I think, if I can theorize correctly, that this woman that Balthazar no longer Sebastian, no longer Jack. That, what about Running Wolf? What about Cornelius? Oh yeah, Cornelius. <laughs> I think that I think this is the female Tyler. I'm not so sure that she is. I hope not, because I don't want there to be a female Tyler. I just want <laughs> it to be us. <laughs> no girls allowed, damn it. Well, when you go into it and you get a few pa- you get another page over after she's reintroduced here. Look at look at what she's saying. We can do all the- of this stuff. All talking about the guy things. that infected her. Well, that's the thing. She's saying to we're gonna what what uh, to Balthazar. We're gonna call him that. It's Jack. Yeah. It's Ed Norton, guys. Um, here's all these things that are wrong with you. These are the things that we can do to fix you up to make you more um, palatable to the public. But then right. flip the next page and you realize she got inf- he's sick the way she was sick because she got infected by some guy. He infected you. And so I'm wondering not, dude, I don't think this is the lady Tyler. And this is me speculating on an issue too. She is involved in an organization that researched Tyler in an effort to see if they could steal what Tyler has. Tyler, not Jack, has a gigantic army underground throughout the United States and probably across the world. And these, I think that these people are trying to find a way to commercialize Tyler Durden. And of well, course, that would make perfect sense. I that would make that, perfect sense. Of course, Tyler is into her. Yeah. But pussy. does he know it? <laughs> is, is, is Jack going to spend this book trying to stop, maybe not even her, is he going to spend the entire book trying to stop this rise or die, a completely other corporate organization who's trying to find a way to corporatize Tyler into their ranks? At which point he loses his identity, which sucks anyways, but he loses control of being a father and loses his control over... Being involved with, uh, oh my God, Helena Bonham Carter. 
But uh, I can't remember the name of the character suddenly. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, Marla? Yeah, Marla. What if, what if this woman is replacing them somehow because Tyler would rather be with her? And what does that do to our man Jack? But more than, but so those are the things that occurred to me reading this. And so I felt like, okay, hey, here's something that I can wrap my head around, even without as much dialogue as is necessary to really, uh, to really do it. But um, I also wondered about this kid at the beginning. He doesn't come off looking Korean, but I wondered if he is the kid from the convenience store that wanted to be a veterinarian in the movie, in the book. Mr. That, Mr. Raymond uh, K. Hessel? Yeah, but I guess his mm-hmm. name is Owen. No, no, is it Raymond? Yeah. Raymond K. Hassel. What did yeah. you want to be when you grew up? Exactly. I wonder if that's the same kid, but I guess not. If his name is Owen, it's probably not it. But it's well, not as it's just... Everybody who's wearing a name tag in, this, in these stories are never telling you who they really are. Maybe it's his kid, because I wouldn't put it past him to, to really integrate that sort of thing. I mean, I see a lot of themes when it comes to the drugs and when it comes to fixing what's wrong with you that he touched in Invisible Monsters, like my second favorite Polonic book. By the way, guys, if you don't know how to say it, I know how to say it. It's Polonic. It's Polonchek. <laughs> now, I knew a kid growing up named Chris Polonchek. Uh, sorry, no, no, not that guy. Polonic, the way like idiots will say like when they talk about tools, onima. It's onima. I've heard him say it with his own mouth multiple times, and then I say Maynard. I've heard Adam say onima. It's not anemia. If you say that, I immediately think you're an idiot and a degenerate. <laughs> if you're talking about tool, and if if you know anything about tool, then you would understand why I like Fight Club. And when you say the wrong, the word the wrong way, and I can't say word right the right way, ironic. Um, well, anyway, uh, I, it's got potential. I, I, I really think that Chuck has a really good idea here, and I really hope your theory comes true because that would make a lot of sense, especially if, especially considering what I, from what I assume, I don't know the man personally. From I've watched a lot of videos when he does writer workshops. Uh, when he does interviews about what's important to him, I, I can see what you're saying is being something important to him enough to put that into Fight Club 3. Oh, by the way, when you hear someone that is like a super hardcore Fight Club fan freak out when you tell them there's a 2 in the 3, it's amazing. I know. I mean, I, I said that to a buddy of mine uh, two or three days ago, and I was like, yeah, you, this is, you've got to find this. You've got to read this. If you like this story, if you like these characters, this is what you've got to do. Um, I I think a lot of times this is, we're willing to give this a big, big leeway. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is, there's a lot of stuff where we're just like, I don't know what's going on. This is stupid. It's not making any sense. You know, how how often are you going to spend $4 on a book over and over and over again to not know what's going on? I see what you're saying. Like when I was saying that he's got the formula right, the paper quality is great. The artist Cameron Stewart is knocking it out of the park. They've got David Mack doing the the regular covers. The 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 variant covers are crap compared to Mack's work. And then second off, the leeway we're gonna give him, issue three could literally be like one big like picture of a steaming pile of crap. 
and then that would be it. And we're like, well, I guess we have to think about that for a month. <laughs> we would look at it and we'd be like, what are the yeah. flies on the page over the yeah. pile of shit? <laughs> yeah. Concealing. It, it, it's flying. It, I swear to God, it's flying in the Fibonacci sequence. And if you if you do the sequence over it, it touches the next fly, which is, is spinning in conjunction with Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> the goat and, of Saturn tells me. <laughs> and 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 then and then we'll end up going down a really deep dark German path uh, of, of poop <laughs> the and, German path yeah the German path what sorry Sven what Sven about it <laughs> I know right yeah Sven, Sven tell us about this poo poo thing that uh, Americans make fun of you for like I think like wait wait what like poo poo what like let's just talk about Nazis okay <laughs> oh my goodness no. no to what yeah like I don't think this. I don't think this guy is a grown up, the grown up kid. But I'm interested on the first page. I'm talking about telesthesia. I like that word. That is a great word. But uh, I'm not sure that the uh, calendars reveal much to us. I don't know. But we're just. This is. It's Fight Club. We're gonna we're gonna put our, a lot of effort into it. And uh, what do you guys think? Please let us know. I uh, you know, get a hold of us however you can. Go through the website. Go through the Facebook. Go through all of the different media platforms. That's all your guess, week, Your huh? guesses are as good as ours. Yeah, we we want to know. Like, send us questions. Um, we'll open up the board. As soon as I figure out how to work, work this website a little bit better, like I'm doing my best, guys. I'm still like this has been all still growing pains, and we're having a lot of fun making this organically work. But that's all I have for this week. Um, yeah. I do know that I have an, an announcement of someone that we're going to be interviewing very soon that we'll uh, I'll announce after I talk to you about it. Right on, right on. Okay. Because I got confirmation while we were actually talking today. Uh, so oh. yeah, so we've got that working up there. Well. We'll make sure you've got a little bit more steady, steady issues coming along. And for some reason, if you're listening to this on Apple, I don't know how you're doing it because for some reason I can't figure out. It'll show up on Apple, but it won't let you listen to it. But it, it everything's perfect on the website. i got to figure this out. That's like my main goal for this week, so we'll get that taken care of. Man, and um, make sure that Mr. Colin knows how to blog on it because um, he needs to be shown. I don't know. He's got <laughs> – He's got some blog ideas. He, he's got a lot of blog ideas. We, we do know we're going to be doing a really big piece on Machine Man coming up, and we can't wait to – general. Yeah. Oh, well, we can't, we can't wait to talk about that. And, Colin, if, I, I don't, if you don't have anything else, I don't have anything else. Yeah, this is it right now. Let's, uh, let's shut it down. You guys, uh, look for more subscriber content. I'm sure we'll get a wild hair. I hate that phrase. And um, – uh, put some more uh, subscriber content on this week, and um, you guys have a great one. We'll check in Over with you all uh, again really, really soon. Yeah. See you next Friday, guys. Over now. <laughs>